Welcome to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr., author and pastor teacher at Shiloh Church in Jacksonville and Orange Park, Florida. Today's text is out of Daniel 10. Today's message, a glimpse behind the scenes. And now, here's Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. Father, thank you that there's no need in this room that you cannot meet. Thank you that you care about what we are dealing with. And it is not your will that we live in a yoke of bondage to fear or guilt or shame. You have invited us to come to you who are burdened and heavy laden that you may give us rest. As we take your yoke upon us and learn from you, would you give us today rest for our soul? Thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Father, there are saints right now asking you to intervene on their behalf. And your word tells us that if we are anxious for nothing but prayerful about everything, your peace that surpasses all understanding will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Would you do that for your people today? And give assurance that you are at work as we study your word together now. Open our understanding that we may comprehend the scripture and help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you turn to Daniel chapter 10? Daniel chapter 10. We are studying through the book of Daniel. Daniel 10 introduces the final section of Daniel, which actually runs through chapter 12, the end of the book. But I want to focus on chapter 10 itself today, beginning at verse number one. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great Conflict, And he understood the word and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphrates around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. 
And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the king of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia and came to you to make and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now my, no strength remains in me and no breath left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Amen. You may be seated. This is God's word. Permit me to label the message today, a glimpse behind the scenes. A glimpse behind the scenes. Motion picture production companies determined that they were making just as much money DVD sales and rentals then feature theater presentations, if not more. So they began investing money in the DVDs to attract more buyers. So now when you buy a DVD of a movie, it may be more than what was in the theater. They now often present a director's cut an extended edition or an alternative ending to the movie. 
And many of these DVDs also contain behind-the-scenes footage. This footage may be no more than interviews with some of the primary actors in the movie, or it may be much more than that. It may show how the costume of a certain character was developed, or how a certain set piece was erected, or how a certain key scene was shot. I like this behind the scenes footage. It makes me appreciate the movie more as it reminds me that there are realities that take place beyond what you see on the screen. In the real sense, brothers and sisters, that is the message of Daniel chapter 10. In life, as God's child, there is always more going on than what you can see. Daniel chapter 10 introduces the final section of Daniel, which runs through the end of the book, Daniel chapter 12. The 11th chapter of Daniel records Daniel's final prophetic vision. Chapter 12 is the postlog to the vision and the conclusion of the book. What you have in chapter 10, our text for today, is an introduction to Daniel's final vision that will be recorded in chapter 11. In this chapter, Daniel is given a rare glimpse behind the scenes into spiritual realities beyond this physical world. The book of Daniel itself neatly divides into two sections. The first half, chapters one through six, are biographical while the latter half of the book is prophetic. Without a doubt, the biographical section is filled with drama, but it is by no means more dramatic than what you find in these latter chapters with Daniel's prophetic visions. These visions are complicated, troublesome, and mysterious. Daniel himself writes of being afraid and sorrowful and overwhelmed with the things that he saw and heard. But now in Daniel chapter 10, God gives Daniel a glimpse behind the scenes to comfort him as to what was to come. It is a word of comfort to Daniel and a word of comfort to every believer today. The message of this chapter is that God works behind the scenes. And those who trust in God can be comforted by the fact that there are spiritual realities at work beyond the circumstances of this life. Elijah is a witness to that. Read 2 Kings chapter 6. Syria and Israel were at war with one another. 
and every move Syria made, Israel knew about it in advance. So the king of Syria called his council together. He wanted to know who the leak was in his royal court, but his counselors told him that you don't have a spy in the court. What you have is a prophet in the land. And he knows everything that you are doing. In fact, he knows what you are thinking about as you are laying in your bed at night. So he commanded his wise men to find out where, Daniel, where this prophet Elijah was. They found him in Dotham. And one morning, the servant of Elijah woke up and went out of the house to do his morning duties and found the city surrounded with horses and chariots. And he rushed back into the house and said, Alas, master, what shall we do? Calmly, Elijah encouraged his servant by saying, Those that are with us are greater than those that are against us. And then he prayed for his servant. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And when the servant went outside to look again, not only did he see those soldiers from Syria surrounding the city, but in the air he saw chariots and horses on fire surrounding the enemies that were coming after Elijah. I repeat, God's children can live with the comfort that there are spiritual realities at work beyond the circumstances of this life. Beyond what you can see, feel, or imagine, God is at work behind the scenes. He gives Daniel a glimpse behind the scenes in this 10th chapter. This glimpse behind the scenes moves into three movements. There is a troubled prophet who has a heavenly vision that reveals to him the news about a spiritual warfare. As quickly as I can, let me walk you through that. The text begins with a troubled prophet. Chapter 10, verse 1, starts this story with a time reference. It is the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. That is, historically, 536 B.C. 538 B.C., Cyrus of Persia conquered the Babylonian Empire and made a decree officially and formally ending the Babylonian captivity of the people of Israel and giving them permission to return home to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of their God. Initially, some 50,000 Jews left Babylon and returned to Jerusalem. They laid the foundation for the temple, established the altar, and again made sacrifices to God there. But political and social pressure caused them to stop their work of erecting the temple of God. And in the third year, after the work had ceased, 
during this extended period where the temple construction had no longer proceeded, in his third year of Cyrus of Persia, Daniel has a vision from the Lord. We see what prompts this vision in verses 2 and 3. Daniel says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine in my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. In other words, Daniel was in prayer for three weeks. The text doesn't explicitly say that. It does not state the content of his prayer, but it does reveal the spirit of his prayer. Verse 2, Daniel says, I was mourning. Verse four, 3, he says, I was fasting. That's the proper spirit of prayer. He says, I was mourning and I was fasting. He went to God, mourning and fasting in prayer for three weeks. And I submit to you, church, this is the spiritual posture of effective prayer, a heavy heart and an humble spirit. If you're going to pray effectively, you do need a heavy heart. Listen, your prayers will mean nothing to God until they mean everything to you. Daniel mourned as an expression of the burden of his heart for divine intervention. And then he had an humble spirit. He gave up the pleasures of this world to demonstrate his hunger for the help of the living God. Daniel was mourning and fasting. What prompted him to do this? Note, it was not his own situation that moved him to pray. He was concerned about the people of Israel. He was concerned, on one hand, about their present condition. He no doubt, as an official in the land of Babylon, he no doubt was aware that the building of the temple in Jerusalem had ceased. He was concerned about the present condition of the people of God that returned to Jerusalem to do God's business, and after a while, they stopped doing God's business and started doing their own business. But also... He was concerned about the future condition of Israel. The previous prophetic visions pointed to circumstances that were to come in relationship to the people of Israel and his concern for what was presently occurring and what was to come had moved his heart to mourn and fast in prayer. You didn't get it. Let me lay it down for you plainly. He was praying not for himself, but for other people. In church, if your prayers are going to be effective, you got to learn to broaden the circle of your concern. I don't care what kind of prayer warrior you think you are. You don't really mean business in prayer if you never get around to praying for anyone except yourself. He, he had a heavy heart that he took to the Lord on the behalf of other people. And in this regard, Daniel is a model for us. May the Lord give us a heart for his people around the world. 
that need to be stirred up with divine help. And may the Lord give us a heart not only for the people of God, but for people who don't know God, who need to repent of their sins and run to the cross to put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation from the wrath of God that is sure to come. Daniel was a man troubled with a heart of concern for other people that led him to pray. So godly was his heart that in the first year of the reign of Cyrus of Persia, God answered Daniel's previous prayer and ended the Babylonian captivity and sent the people back to Jerusalem. But in verse number four, note that he says, I was standing near the Tigris River. Many Jews had returned to Jerusalem, but Daniel was still in Babylon. This is a reminder, church, that if you're going to discern God's plan for you, you've got to first of all recognize that what God is trying to do in you ain't about you. Daniel had been praying for deliverance from Babylon, but when the opportunity came, God did not release him to leave Babylon. He left him in Babylon to pray for the deliverance of others. Could that be why God is keeping you in a situation that you keep asking him to deliver you out of. Maybe the wrestling match is that you want deliverance and God wants you to stay where you are so that he can use you to be a witness and a means of deliverance, hope and prayer for somebody else. There was a troubled prophet who had a heavy heart that he took to God in prayer. And the next movement of the text shifts from a troubled prophet to a heavenly vision, visitor. A heavenly visitor. Daniel had been mourning and fasting for three weeks. The rest of the text makes it clear this was a period of prayer for Daniel. And... After this three weeks, Daniel, at some point, was standing at the Tigris River when he saw a man. That's what he called him, a man. But as you read the text, you'll see very plainly this was more than just a man. Note the revelation of this heavenly visitor. He says in verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphrates around his waist. His body was like beryl, a gold-like metal. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Daniel saw a man who was more than just a man. 
Was it an angel? Was it one of the chief angels, maybe Gabriel, who had revealed himself in several of the previous visions of Daniel? Or was this what scholars call a Christophany, a pre-incarnate revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? We're, we're not sure enough to be dogmatic, but whatever this heavenly visitor was specifically, his presence pointed Daniel to the greatness of God. The presence of this visitor revealed to Daniel the holiness of God. Do you see in verse 5 he says he was clothed in linen. This was the garments the priests and high priests were to wear in the tabernacle as they ministered before God. This garment of linen reflected holiness. This heavenly visitor pointed Daniel to the holiness and purity and righteousness of God. And he also pointed him to the glory of God. He was robed in linen and had a belt of gold. Here Daniel is getting a vision of the glorious holiness of God. Daniel's heart is heavy because of those previous visions about rams and goats and little horns representing men that will rise up against the people of God. But now, as he prays, God gives him a vision of a heavenly visitor that is robed in glorious holiness, which is meant to say to Daniel that you don't have to fear man when you know who your God is. The one who fears God need not fear anyone else. Do y'all hear me, church? He saw a glorious vision of God. And then note the response to this heavenly visitor. I like verse 7. He said, I was alone when I saw the vision. The men that were with me didn't see it, but they sensed it. They didn't see what I saw, but they, they sensed something, and, and they were so afraid, they left. They fled. They got out of there. Friends. <laughs> Bailed out on Daniel in this moment of crisis. But don't, don't bash Daniel's companions. I submit to you that there may be times when God allows circumstances to chase people out of our lives so he can deal with you alone. Sometimes people bail out on us and we get mad at them. Haters and traitors and all that stuff we call them. But, but it, it could be 
that God sets up life sometimes so that he ushers all of your human help away so that you find yourself in a position where you ain't got mama, daddy, friends, co-workers, neighbors, loved ones to call on. You got to deal with God face to face and trust him for yourself. Sometimes people become crutches that we depend on instead of God. God has a way of ushering people out so you get to a place where you have to say, it ain't my father, it ain't my mother, it ain't my sister or my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Are you listening to me today? When Daniel is left there alone, he is weakened by this vision. Verse 8 says, so I was left alone and saw this vision and I had no strength left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I retained, he says again, no strength. The end of verse nine, I just fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. This is the proof that you have had an encounter with God. When you experience God's greatness, you'll simultaneously experience your weakness. That's how I know you can come to church and not really meet up with God. Because you, you leave with the same sense of arrogant self-sufficiency as if the world is in your hands. But when you see how great God is, it's, it's what James Montgomery Boyce called the seesaw principle of theology. You remember a seesaw? The rules were real simple. Only one person can be up at a time. And, and, and it's the same way in theology. God can't be exalted and you be exalted at the same time. If God is going to be lifted up, you got to learn how to get low before him. There's a heavenly visitor. Third movement. When this heavenly visitor showed up for this troubled prophet, he began to tell him about a spiritual warfare. Behold, verse 10, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand up. For now I've been sent to you. I was standing, he says, but I was trembling. And he said, verse 12, don't fear, Daniel, for, for the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I've come because of your words. Now stop right there, listen. From the day three weeks ago when you started praying about all this, God heard you the moment you started praying. In fact, God didn't just here, 
But when he heard your prayer and sincere desire to understand his will, he sent me to give you understanding. But it took me three weeks to get here. Y'all hang in here with me for just a minute. I'm going somewhere. The, the moment you started praying, God heard you the moment you prayed. And, and he dispatched me the moment you started praying because he knew what was in your heart. But it took me three weeks to get here. God had heard the prayer, but the answer was delayed. The answer was delayed. Have you ever had that to happen to you? A delayed answer? Have you ever had God to put you in his sovereign waiting room and you holding on to your ticket waiting on your number to be called and you watching everybody else seemingly get an answered prayer ahead of you and you still sitting there waiting on God to respond to your need why does God delay well let me give you the, the most important reason. Because God is God and you are not. And God doesn't owe you any answers because he doesn't operate according to your clock and calendar. His sovereign schedule determines how he works, not your schedule of events. And don't, don't, don't leave me there because the fact that God doesn't operate according to your schedule is a good thing. I know it doesn't sound that way, but it really is a good thing. Because you don't want God to put something in your hand until he first does something in your heart. And sometimes God makes you wait because you are not ready for it or it is not ready for you. And if you get your hands on it prematurely, you'll mess up the blessing God is trying to give you. So every now and then, uh, he makes you wait. But there's another reason in the text that you may have never thought of. Sometimes the answer to prayer is delayed because there is spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes. I ain't making it up. Listen to what the angelic figure said in verse 13. He says, the moment you heard, you prayed, the Lord heard and sent me. But verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia 
withstood me for 21 days. This prince is not a human figure. This is an angelic, a, a demonic spirit that was operating in the kingdom of Persia. We know because the same verse says Michael had to get involved. And Michael is also called a prince. In the last verse, verse 21 of the text again, he is called a prince. But we know that Michael, from the rest of scripture, is no human figure. He is an archangel that does battle on the behalf of the kingdom of God. God has got his holy angels, but Satan has his fallen angels. Watch, he says, he says, God heard your prayer and sent me the answer. But while I was bringing the answer for 21 days, the king of Persia was wrestling with me to stop me from showing up with the answer to your prayers. In fact, uh, he said I'd still be wrestling with them, but I had a tag team partner that came and helped me. <laughs> Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is yet to come. I, I was on my way. It just took me three weeks because... A battle was going on behind the scenes. Verse 20, but now I'm going to have to go back and fight the prince of Persia again. And when I go out, when that fight is over, the, the prince of Greece is going to show up. And I'm going to have to deal with him too. In verse 21, I'm not going to have anybody to help me but, but Michael. God heard your prayer. But it uh, took me three weeks to get here because as his holy angel, I was fighting the fallen angels of Satan who was trying to block the answer from getting to you. I wish I had help in this house. Sometimes answer is delayed because of spiritual warfare. Angels are real. There are holy angels who are ministers of God, but there are also fallen angels who followed Lucifer in his rebellion against God in heaven. And a third of those angels became servants of the sinister plans of the evil one. And these fallen angels, Satan and his demons, are at work in the world fighting against four major targets. Holy angels, Christ, Israel, and the church. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't expect everything to go your way. For you're going to have to, Ephesians 6 says you're going to have to be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. You're going to have to put on the whole armor of God so that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why you need spiritual armor? Ephesians chapter 6 says, in verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness and spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Did you get that? that we're in the midst of a battle. And listen to what he says. People are not your biggest problem. If you give us enough time, many of us can give you a list of people to blame for the things that are not going right in our lives. But here Paul again in Ephesians 6 and 12, people are not your biggest problem. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming your spouse. Stop blaming the man. Stop blaming your coworkers or your manager or your boss. Stop, stop blaming your family and friends and your enemies. People are not your biggest problem. That's why you can't fight with worldly weapons. Hating people that hate you doesn't fix anything. Cursing people that curse you doesn't fix anything. Lying on people that lie on you doesn't fix anything. You dealing with spiritual realities beyond physical circumstances. And I would suggest that the problem in our community, culture, and country is that the church, when it shows up to fight, actually shows up to the wrong battles. Hear me. The White House ain't the real problem. The Supreme Court is not the real problem. The pornographer is not the real problem. The drug dealers and the gangbangers are not the real problem. Uh, marching and protesting and electing can't fix what's wrong in our community. We need some saints of God that know how to battle on their knees. And you trust that while you stand your ground, wherever God has assigned you, you just got to stand your ground, trusting that behind the scenes, God is at work. There's a spiritual battle being waged behind the scenes. That's what this text tells us. That's, that's the bad news you need to embrace. There's a spiritual battle being waged behind the scenes. Satan and his forces are in the spirit realm 
trying to hinder the kingdom of God's progress and all who represent the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is spiritual victory being won behind the scenes. Watch me. The prince of Persia might have slowed up the angel, but he couldn't stop him. In fact, I don't want to speculate. He said, uh, I uh, had to wrestle with him for a little while, and I got free to come to you. Don't worry. I got to go back, verse 20, and deal with this prince of Persia again. But, but, but note the subtle language. When I'm done with him, then I'll deal with the prince of Greece. You, you, you're not hearing me. You, you just got to stand your ground. And trust that as the battle is raging behind the scenes, God will give you the victory. Uh, in verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2, Paul says that Christ on the cross disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them at the cross. I'm about done now. On the cross, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities. Satan is still fighting. He just ain't got no real ammunition. <laughs> this is good stuff. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He's, he's disarmed and he's been put to open shame. Christ triumphed over him at the cross. I used to think when I was a young Christian that when Jesus died on the cross, Satan and hell threw a party. We got him. And they parted all night Friday. Parted all night Saturday and then early Sunday morning. They discovered they had been defeated, but that's not what the Bible says. It didn't take Sunday morning for the devil to know he lost. At the cross, Jesus with, watch this, let me show you how great he is. With hands nailed, he disarmed Satan at the cross. So Satan is real, Satan is powerful, but Satan is defeated. You didn't hear me. That's not a promise. That's not a prediction. That's not a hope. That's not a prayer. That, that's not a belief. That's a fact. I'm not talking future tense. I'm talking past tense. I'm not talking about what's to come in the sweet by and by one of these old days when we all get to glory. What a day. Of I'm talking about already. When Jesus died at the cross, Satan is already defeated. So, how then should you live? 
Because hearing all this blew Daniel away. Daniel passed out again. He said, I just ain't got no strength to deal with all this that I'm hearing. And verse 18 says, and again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. Verse 19. And then he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. How should you respond to the battle that's raging in your life? Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Pastor, you don't know how much hell I'm catching on my job. And I don't know what to do about that situation. I'm going to tell you what to do. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. But Pastor, you don't know how much trouble is at my house, my husband, my wife, my children, my parents, you don't know what I'm dealing with and, and I don't know what to do. That's why you came to church for me to tell you what to do. Listen, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong. And of good courage. If you do all you can do, God will step in and do all you can't do. You just got to show up where God tells you to show up and give God your best. And for what's beyond your control, take comfort that God is at work behind the scenes for your good and his glory. God be praised. Thanks for listening to Cutting It Straight with Pastor H.B. Charles Jr. If you'd like more resources from Pastor Charles or to support this ministry, you can reach us online at cutstraight.org. That's cutstraight.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.